Each of us are being called by name because each of us were made on purpose, for a purpose that cannot be accomplished by anyone else. You were knit together in your mother's womb, fearfully and wonderfully made. Your days were ordained when there was not yet as one of them. God has a plan for your life. And so we've been talking about what is the nature of that plan. And it's after God's nature, the God who made us. We just partook of the sacrament. The Bible calls it partaking of the divine nature to renew in us that salvation that Christ implanted in us. The Bible says that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. 2 Timothy 5.18. That word reconcile means to build a way to get connected, a bridge. That's what we do here. The bridge is not just the main architectural feature of our worship center. It's the main point of our worship. God was in Christ building a way to be connected between heaven and earth that he would come down and we could go up and we could be realigned. Jesus taught us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But he didn't stop there. The Bible says he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave us the ministry of bridge building, in other words. And here's what we know about the coming of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God does not come by force. The kingdom of God doesn't come by one group getting its way. Even if all the Christians in the world could unite and decide what its way really was, the kingdom of God would not come then. Not with political power, not with military power, not with social power. No, the kingdom of God comes in the heart one conversation at a time. And so when I came off my sabbatical, still hurting because of what had happened in our city with Pulse and hurting after the fact that I did not have very many relationships in the LGBTQ community, and I wondered why, knowing that we all tend to just get very comfortable in our own groups. And we tend not to reach out to people who are very different than we are. And as God said, I want you to teach my people to love like Jesus. You know, that's a very uncomfortable love. That's a self-sacrificial love. That's a love that goes to people that aren't included by anybody else. And so this idea of bridge building, and so this will be the last message I give on bridge building per se, but it's the first, it's the inauguration of a season of this, of this is what we do as a church. We love God, we love people. Very, very simple. That was his great commandment. As, as uh, Winston Churchill once said in 1942, he was talking with a group of mayors, and the, the World War II was closing. And he said, this is not the end. 
This is not even the beginning of the end. But this is the end of the beginning. So this message is the end of the beginning of a long season of becoming more like Jesus, of loving more like Jesus. And what we've been doing is we've been talking about the principles of bridge building as shown in the conversation between Jesus and the woman at the well. So let me quickly rehearse those, those basic principles. There's four of them, okay? First principle, you got to build a foundation on each side of the gap. Jesus crossed a very, four very broad gaps that day, a gender gap, a social gap, a, a, a religious gap, a cultural gap. But he knew who he was. He said to the woman, if you knew who it was that speaks to you, you would ask for the living water. Here's the first stage in building a bridge. You've got to dig a deep footer out of who you really are and what you really believe about God. You don't need to change. That, that's your offering to the world. God did not make a mistake when he wired you like he did. God is not surprised that you are where you are. He can use you just like you are, just where you are. You've got to be accepting of who you are. But then you've got to go over here. Because see, you can't build a bridge just from your own perspective. And, watch this, you don't need to build a bridge with people who are just like you. The whole idea of bridge is that there's a gap between you. All right? And so you got to go to the person or people with whom you're trying to build a bridge, and you have to, watch this, listen long enough and love long enough and learn long enough that their story becomes a part of your heart, that you begin to see the world from their perspective. That's digging a deep footer. When, that, when Jesus looked at this woman and said, you know, you're right when you say you have no husband because you've been married five times. And the man you're living with right now isn't your husband. He not only hit upon her painful truth, but he hit upon the source of her shame. And I asked you when I preached about this, why didn't she run? I mean, most of the time when we feel condemned, don't we shut down the conversation? Don't we try every way we can to get out of there? Why didn't she run? Because there was not one ounce of condemnation in his voice. In fact, I'm willing to believe that she felt, along with that deep truth of who she was, a great empathy, a great compassion, a great love for her. And so she wanted to continue the conversation. Second principle. You lay a stringer log. What's a stringer log? A stringer log is you, you, you lay a spiritual offering down that both of you kind of want, all right? You start a, a deeper conversation. When Jesus looked at her and said, you know, there's another kind of water. You, 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 got, you got the means of physical water, and therefore I kind of need what you got. But there's another kind of water. And if you get it, you won't be thirsty anymore. And she goes, oh, I want that. Not only did he say that to this woman who was an outcast, he said it to his disciples. I have food that you don't know of. 
Now, you want to talk about physical food. You know, when we get in a conversation, we tend to stay on just practical stuff, just normal, normal stuff. We don't go deep. We don't go high. We just stay with what's comfortable. But a stringer log takes you into territory that may not be more comfortable, but it is more important. And it's what everybody longs for in their soul. And you say, well, how can I do that? I'm glad you asked. I've been pointing out this great resource, and we sell out of them every weekend, and I'm glad. I hope we still continue to sell out of them. It's a book called God Space, subtitled, Where Spiritual Conversations Happen Naturally. This book is full of stringer logs, questions that will take your conversations deeper, whether you know the person well or you don't know the person well. The third principle in building a bridge is to lay flooring so that people feel safe no matter what. People feel safe no matter what. The woman didn't run because she felt safe. Let me ask you, when people are talking to you, do they feel like they can really be who they are? Do they feel like they can tell you what they've done? Do they feel like they can, they can say what they really think and you'll still hang in there with them? You'll still be there after they get done and you won't run. Is it safe in your conversations? This is really important because no matter who you're talking to, whether it's a stranger or it's somebody, watch this, that you have known for 40 years, people still need to be, feel safe. Even though you would assume people would feel safe, if you've been their friend for a long time, you've been married to them a long time, you assume they feel safe. No. No, they don't. Not if there's no reason to be safe. They've got to be sure they're safe before they continue the conversation. So that's the third principle. The fourth principle is this, that you actually cross over to such an extent that the conversation will become contagious. That this bridge is so usable that it goes beyond your conversation to someone else. See, here's why God wants us to be closer to Him. Because the closer we are to God, the closer this woman got to Jesus, the more contagious she got. <laughs> Not only would she be closer to Him, but the people she knew would want to be closer to him. She became contagious. When she went to that city, she started telling these men who she should have been intimidated by, but she wasn't because she'd been with somebody who loved her just like she was. And that gave her the confidence to speak with people who she was usually fearful of. They wanted to come to, and they did. And so what happens after that? First of all, let me, let me just make sure you, you have the two. The, the, the whole goal here is to have conversations that are sustainable, that go deep and high, all right? And for, for those conversations to be durable, durable conversations, 
there have to be two principles observed in the making of that bridge. Let me, let me, let me uh, recount, uh, recount an architectural and engineering feature of the Golden Gate Bridge, one of the, one of the great wonders of the world. And those of you who are architects and engineers and even physicists who know how this bridge was constructed, marvel at these two principles. The first thing is every, every beam, every cross beam, every steel girder, every cable in that bridge, every rivet, every, every soldered connection is built in order to transfer the majority of the weight to two towers that automatically takes that weight and transfers it to the foundation, the, the foundation below. The, the footers on either side so that the weight is in the foundation. The foundation of our life is Jesus Christ. Don't carry the weight of conversations around it by yourself. These conversations are conversations with God in mind. They are for God. Transfer the weight of the conversation to Him. That makes it durable. Watch this, the next thing. Flexible. Do you know in the middle of the Golden Gate Bridge, in the middle span of the Golden Gate Bridge, there can be a vertical variance of 10 feet. That bridge has the flexibility to go up and down 10 feet, watch this, and the horizontal capability of 22 feet. That's what makes it durable. I was talking the other day with a Wusu man, and he usually sits right up here, he's a chairman of our elders. He's an engineer who is, who, who is now inspecting, I think, every bridge in the state. Um, he's been engaged to see about their safety. And he was saying uh, uh, to the elders, he was saying, you know, bridges aren't safe because they are firmly fixed. Most bridges are built these days, watch this, on rollers. Rollers, so, the, so, so that the bridge has the flexibility to go back and forth with the forces around it. I want to ask you about your conversations. Flexible? Are you so fixed that if something doesn't go right, it breaks? Or is there the flexibility? See, durability equals flexibility plus foundation. That's a, it's a real simple equation. Now, what's the point? of these conversations. Let's make it really simple. Okay, so, so I had this conversation. We're supposed to have conversations, which, by the way, make me very uncomfortable. Somebody back, back in, the, in the back just said, you know, hey, I got a word from you, from all of us introverts. Leave us alone. <laughs> well, I'm an introvert too, and I wish I could leave myself alone, but this is something Jesus is asking us to do. You know, this is why we're still here. And why all of us are needed because nobody can have the conversations you can have. Nobody, has the, nobody else has the relationships you have. And so all of us are really critical for this. So, so what, what's the goal? First goal, as Pete mentioned, is to remember that holiness is about closeness. 
Most people define holiness and righteousness and all of these other things in terms of, well, I, I, get, I get really, I really feel this way about God or, or, I know, or I have this much religious information and I just keep studying the Bible more and more or I've reformed these particular behaviors that I know are offensive to God and therefore I'm holier. Nah, wait, wait, wait. Now, holiness is closeness to God. Holiness is closeness to God. Because he knows, and remember the great commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbors yourself. Closeness, closeness. If our God is a relationship, then closeness is the definition of spiritual maturity. And he knows if you're close to him, what's going to happen? You're going to become conformed to the image of his son. You're going to love more like Jesus loves. You're going to look more like Jesus looks. And that will have a profound effect on the world. So closeness is the goal here. Let me read the first verses of the rest of the, of the, of the passage here. John 4:39. this is what it says. From that city, many of the Samaritans believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all the things I have done. Verse 40, so when the Samaritans came to Jesus, they were asking him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. What do they want? They just want closeness. They just want closeness. Because this is about a relationship. When you're talking with somebody, what are you trying to establish? Closeness. Don't go in trying to establish truth. Don't go in to try to establish uh, political agreement. Don't go in trying to establish uh, um, a modification that they need to make on your behalf. You know, no. It's, it's, it's just, just see if you can sustain a conversation. Put up the Ephesians passage. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. This is what it says. Paul is asking that God, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in your, uh, in, in your knowledge of him. Knowledge, by the way, in, in, uh, um, um, uh, in the Bible is not about intellectual content. It's about a relationship. Adam knew Eve and they begat. <laughs> it's about a relationship. In verse 18, it says this, And I ask that the eyes of your heart, I love this, may be enlightened so that you may know, there's that word again, the hope of his calling, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. I was talking, uh, Bill Gary just emailed me between services and, and he said, you know, I, I was listening to you, I was reminded of something that I learned um, in, uh, on, a, on a retreat, Windy Gap retreat years ago. And this is really true. He said, we... We have brought, been brought up in the Western mentality, logical, rational, categorical. But you've got to realize the Bible was written in the Eastern mentality. Eastern mentality is all about relationships. When you pick up your kids from Sunday school, likely you will ask them this, what did you learn today? You know what a Jewish person would ask their kid, who touched your heart today? Who touched your heart today? That's the language of Scripture. That's the goal of God, closeness. Second, 
to establish a faith that is not dependent on the middleman. Guess who you are? You're the middleman. You're the middlewoman. You're the one who is, you're the woman who's having the conversation with others who don't know Jesus, who is serving others because God has given you a role in this life and unique circumstances that other people don't have so that you will be able to speak to a different audience that anyone else can speak to. Why? To what end? So that they themselves know God without you having to be the middle person. Look at what it says. John chapter 41, chapter 4, chapter 4, verses 41, 42. Many more believed because of his word, and they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. We have heard for ourselves. It's no longer, we don't, you led us to one so that we could have a personal relationship, independent of what other people say. You remember what Job said. Remember Job? Job had a whole lot of spiritual advisors. When you're in trouble, you have a whole lot of spiritual advisors. I mean, all of us do, don't we? Or at least advisors. You remember all of them were just, you know, not quite accurate. They meant well, but they were not quite accurate. Could I just <laughs> encourage you to remember that people who mean well are usually not quite accurate. Just, just you don't take every, you take, take what they have for what they meant it to be and not actually for the gospel because you only get the gospel from the Lord. That's why the eyes of your heart must be enlightened by the revelation of God, by the revealing of God himself. This is what Job said in verse 42, verse 5, or chapter 42, verse 5. I've heard you by the heart, hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. What's the goal of our conversations? That someday these people could establish a personal relationship with God and hear from God on their own. Not ask you, not ask you, to, to, to interpret the world for them, not ask you to interpret God for them. They would have a personal relationship with God that they could hear God on their own. And when you have these conversations, here's what you always have to keep in mind. And conversation, again, here's the byword. I want to have a conversation with God in mind. And if God's in mind, then you have to remember this isn't your conversation. This is his conversation. See, we think we're so intimidated talking about the things of God with other people that we think this is our idea. We think it's our risk. You know, from the very beginning, all of us have great um, um, insecurities. I mean, if, if this is, we're talking about heart issues here. If, if we're, if, if, do you remember middle school, how insecure you were in middle school? Who would go back to middle school? Oh my gosh, this is the absolute worst time in life. Because you just felt like you're the scum of the earth and your face just kind of boom, did that. And it, you know, and it just, you never knew if you were good enough for anything, you know. And then you go into high school and you start to see people that you're kind of attracted to, you know. If you're a boy, you know, it's kind of like, 
you go from ooh to well, I don't know. That's, that one, uh, that was the least icky one I've seen, you know? I remember uh, when I was teaching high school, I taught uh, history and government at Shaw High School in Cleveland, Ohio. And uh, after class, uh, I had to go out to the hallway for something, I can't remember what. One of my students came up and said, Mr. Hunter, I, I, I had an ask, a, a, a paper here I wanted to ask you about. And, and, and it looked like the thing just had thrown up. So she's digging down, trying to find the thing, and I'm waiting. And I overhear this conversation between two boys. You know, dude, she kind of likes you. And this other boy goes, what? No way. Oh, man, she is so fine. Oh, she. Wait. You said kind of likes me. What does that mean? And I could hear every insecurity coming out of his voice. I know what it is to be insecure about conversations, especially for very important relationships. I remember asking Becky to marry me. I was so scared, so insecure, because this is the big one, you know? There's, this is the big one. And I didn't know how this would turn out. I felt like, oh, God, this is your gift to me, but I didn't know. And we were sitting on a swing, on one of those bench swings outside her house. And I said, I got a question for you. And man, I'm just starting to sweat. I can feel it. I hate it. And I'm thinking, I don't want to say this. I don't, I, do, I, just, I don't want to get turned down. Every insecurity just raging. And so I said, you don't have to answer me right now. <laughs> As a matter of fact, take some time to think about it. Because I'm just thinking, if you're going to shoot me down, don't do it right away. Just give me, you know. She said, what? I said, will you marry me? This was her response. Are you serious? <laughs> Have you ever seen one of those movies where you're just falling into this abyss? <laughs> no! That's what was going on inside of me. Before I had fallen too far, she said, yes! I came back up. <laughs> I picked her up and I twirled her around. It was awesome. And then she told me the rest of the story. She said, you know, when I was a little girl, God put it on my heart to begin to pray for the man who would be my husband someday. She said, every night I would lay in bed and I would pray, God, protect my husband and let me know when I see him. She looked at me and she said, the first day I saw you coming down the aisles of our church with your robes flowing. I used to be a Methodist preacher, robes flowing. <laughs> God said, that's him. I leaned over and I said to my mom, that's him. See, I thought I was taking a big chance 
asking that question. That question had been arranged long before I ever knew the person. You understand these aren't your conversations. These are God's conversations. These are arranged. And the Bible says, Kaya Greeson. The Bible doesn't say Kaya Greeson, but the Bible says, put up, put up Isaiah 55. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return they, uh, uh, do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, furnishing seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so will my word which goes forth from my mouth. Could I say when you're speaking and you're full of God, that's God's word going forth from his mouth. It doesn't have the same authority of scripture, but it has the same impact because it's filled with the spirit. Watch what it says. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Don't get nervous. God's got you. God's got that conversation. And even if it feels like a failure to you, God will use it to his ultimate purposes. Now, here's the third principle. First principle, spiritual maturity is closeness. Holiness is closeness. Second principle, second uh, impact or result is that God have, uh, people have a, 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 an experience with God independent of the messenger, the human messenger. Third principle is this. Put, uh, put 42 back up. Um, um, John 4, 42. Look at this last sentence. And they were saying to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves and know that this one is indeed the Savior of the world. Now, take that down. I got a question for you. The Bible said he stayed there two days. What happened when he left? I can guarantee you that the people who were saying we have believed had a continuing spiritual fellowship. Our conversations ultimately are to end up in spiritual community, not just personal belief. Spiritual community, not just personal belief. If I could wave a wand and make stuff disappear, it'd be a spiritual wand, wouldn't be a magical wand, spiritual. It would be people's images of church. See, when I say church, what comes to your mind? Well, I got to go to church. And the church has an address of a place I usually go to. And the church is arranged with a formal institution. And a church has all of these regulations. And a church has all of these rituals. And a church, that's not what comes to God's mind. You know what, you know what a church is in God's mind? Matthew 18, 20. Where two or three have gathered together in my name, I'm there in their midst. See, the first century church didn't have buildings. First century church didn't have creeds. First century church didn't have clergy. But they had church. 
That was the ancient church. That's also the future church. And I want you to know that wherever you are, whoever you're having these conversations, these sustained spiritual conversations with, that's church. That's church. Uh, let me close with this. I'm, I'm running a little bit late, but let me, let me close with this story. Becky and I love movies, and, and uh, um, we love animated movies probably the best. You know, the Disney stuff. I, we just love and, and there's this one scene in Ice Age. Remember the characters of Ice Age? There's this woolly mammoth, Manfred, I think his name is, and there's this saber-toothed tiger, Diego, and there's this sloth, Shid, who, who has a lift. He's a great character. Well, there's this one scene in this movie where they're going through this very cold, you know, ice age, very, you know, and, and but they realize before, before they, before they um, 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 can get to safety that they're over a volcano and all of the ice is melting. And, 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 and Manfred and Sid get out, but Diego doesn't. And Diego realizes he has to leap across this chasm in order to get to safety. And so he, with everything he can, he leaps. But he doesn't make it. The next thing you know, Manfred, the mammoth, dives in after him, catches him, and at the risk of his own life, flings this saber-toothed tiger back to safety. Later on, Diego says, why did you do that? You could have died. And Manfred said, that's what herds do. They look out for each other. They look out for each other. And Sid <laughs> looks at a mammoth, a saber-toothed tiger, and a sloth. And he says, wow. We are one strange herd. <laughs> Look around you. This is one strange herd. And we love that. You might not feel like you're the church, but you are the church. I don't care how strange it looks. If you're having conversations with God in mind, that's the church. If you're prioritizing the character of Jesus, that's the church. And that's why to have these conversations. 7,000 of them, it would say by our sculpture. More than that, though. And so here's what I'm going to close with. I want everybody to stand. And you're going to receive closing instructions here. I realized as we were going through this, that many of you who had agreed to have a spiritual conversation had written that, that on your, both your name and that conversation on a clothespin, and then you put it on a sculpture, and you got nothing to remind you. So here's what we want for you to do this morning. And those of you online, you write us, we'll send you a clothespin. What is a clothespin, by the way? It's something that attaches two things, right? It's an instrument of attachment. So it's a great a great metaphor for a conversation. 
So here's what we want you to do. On the way out, there are going to be people at the door with baskets of clothespins. I want you to take a clothespin, and I want you to take it home, and I want you to put it in a place that you will see every day. You will see this clothespin every day. And I want it to be a reminder to you to have a conversation with God in mind. All right? So that there's not a day that goes by that you don't see this and go, you know, I need to have a conversation with God in mind. Watch how the kingdom of God comes into the world because you've done this. Pray with me. Lord, as we go from this place, help us to go with your love. Help us to go knowing that you are using every circumstance of our life, every part of who we are, in order to share your love with other people. We ask you to take these words and apply them to our minds that we might not grow shallow. And apply them to our hearts that we might not grow cold. And apply them to our feet that we might be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Hey, if you want to get better connected, if you're here, get, get it, uh, go to the tent. If you need prayer, come up front. Online, Bill, Gary, Nathan, Clark, I love you. Go love like Jesus. Amen.